You are listening to How to Rewrite Your Stars, the podcast that is all about helping you to change those stubborn patterns that seem as firm as the constellations in the sky. Here, you'll find people just like you, sharing their stories of triumph, courage, and hope. How they were able to rewrite the stars in their own life. This is the show for you if you've been looking for that person who overcame, whom you can relate to, or if you're looking for the tools to be able to change your own story. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, a life coach and mentor who's been working on self-mastery since I was nine years old. Join me now as I welcome another phenomenal guest to have them share their story with us today. Today's episode is sponsored by Starlight Mentoring. Welcome back to another episode of How to Rewrite Your Stars. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, joined today by Linda Buley. Did you get your last name right there? That was close. It's Beaulieu. Beaulieu. Unless you're French, you're not going to get it right. Okay. So I have to try with my French accent and say Beaulieu. Ah, très bien. <laughs> I can do the accent, but I don't know the language. So I, I can sometimes convince people that I speak French to you because I'm just like, oui, oui, oui madame, monsieur, estamos hablando en español, tratando de convencer personas que hablo francés. That's very good, actually. <laughs> and it's a seamless transition from French into Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Linda Boulia. Correct. Excellent. Well, Linda is a mom to three sons. She's a wife and co-founder of Abundant Forest Life. And she's been living in the forest and traveling to see the beauty the world has to offer, which has led her family to live the life of their own making while exploring the natural world. And that's something that I've loved the concept of for quite some time. You know, at least, you know, living out and about. One of my first mentors uh, actually, Greg Denning, who I just had on the show a couple weeks ago, he and his family, when I first came across him, was living in Costa Rica, is traveling the world, teaching their kids. And I'm just like, you can do that. And, you know, this is seven years ago. <laughs> yes, you I'm, can. I'm like 18, <laughs> taking a class from him, learning about you know how to his personal leadership. And I'm just like, what? And, you know, I hit hit. I hit 18 years old without knowing that that was something that like you could do. And then I'm just yeah. like, what? <laughs> and I keep coming across people who are doing stuff like that. And, you know, I, I'm not quite familiar with the way your family does it. It seems like you're more get out into nature. But I was just like, this is so cool. Yeah. It's really about living life um, with your family in a, in a totally different way than I was raised to, to believe was possible, you know, and it's for us, it's all about nature because I think that as humans, we need to be connected with nature. And mm -hmm. I wanted to raise my children to know what this, you know, to be able to interact with animals and to be able to watch the bees and watch the seasons change in all different places because that connection is crucial to our health quite frankly yeah. but it was it was a challenge to make that a reality because you didn't i didn't know it was possible just like what you said yeah so so tell us a little bit about your story like at what point did 
you come across this idea you know when did you like say hey let's go do this you know what wherever is a good starting point but i'm just yeah, curious somebody that comes across this where do they start um, well, you start where you are. And I mean, we've actually had multiple starting points because we're living in a forest now, but we've also, you know, traveled and lived in an RV as a family. We've, you know, gone off grid. You know, there's so many different tr- just traveling the world. There's so many different ways you can do it. And we've done a variety of that as it fit what was going on in our lives. And I think it just started with that pull to... Uh, to want something more than it was was expected and I, there was multiple starting points you know when my fu- husband and i were first dating uh, we got kayaks instead of an engagement ring <laughs> and <laughs> people reacted kind of off about it and it made us kind of feel um you know like we were doing something wrong we weren't doing things the way they were supposed to be done and, I mean, you know, that was one starting point that made us say, you know what, maybe we don't have to do what's normal. Maybe we can just follow our own path, follow our own stars, if you will. Yeah, but I mean, you know, a couple of really expensive pieces of jewelry or like something that helps you further your passions. Like, yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong. My wife and I have, you know, engagement rings that are wedding rings now, but like. If I'd come across that idea, I would have been half tempted to be like, okay, well, like, what can we like invest in that will like use instead of just show as a, um, you know, sign of fealty? I know I have plenty of friends that are like, oh, we just went down to Walmart and saved a bunch of money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with jewelry. So I'm not, it was just the, you know, I was raised to be normal and to fit into mainstream society and to, you know, you go to college, you get a job, you work at that job until you retire and then you might get to do something fun. Well, I wanted to skip all that and get to the fun stuff now. (laughs) And then when we had kids, that grew exponentially because the way we parented was so different from what we were taught to parent and so we had to kind of chart our own path again because we wanted to be with our kids and hold our kids and have adventures with our kids and watch them grow instead just ship them off to school so you guys can go do your own thing yeah (laughs) that's right you know my kids haven't don't go to school um and up until 2020 where i am i mean when we traveled there's places where lots of kids homeschool and it's totally normal but where we were living when we first started it was very very strange and in our family it was and still is i it's it's not normal you know it's getting past the normal that everybody's expected when you realize we're all unique and each person's normal is different but we're taught to fit in instead of to be who we are yeah well you know the listeners probably know this but you don't you know i was homeschooled so I I understand the what the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> and uh, where are all my friends, aka peers that I thought were friends that were not interested because I was different? <laughs> I charted my own path from a very young age, and I'm grateful my parents homeschooled me, even if it meant that in certain ways I had to grow 
a tough emotional wall that I'm just now learning, you know, it's okay if I don't have that anymore. Because hmm. it allowed me so fewer mental walls that allowed me to get to the point where I can take down those emotional walls that other people in other ways would have put up anyways and still had. Mm -hmm. That's uh, actually a really beautiful description. And I don't know how old you are, but it seems like you've learned that a lot faster than a lot of us. Like yeah. That's a mature conclusion and to bring to let those walls down it takes a lot of maturity so i love meeting grown homeschool people because I, like mm -hmm. i said i've charted my own course so i've been told lots of times how my children will never be okay so i meet all these fantastic Sorry. people and they're more than okay they're okay. beautiful let me break it to you linda they're not going to be okay they're going to be <laughs> fantastic <laughs> <laughs> well that's good to know that's really good to know yeah. we're just entering the teenage years so we're charting a whole new course every day <laughs> right and the thing that my dad when i was younger tried to force me to read because he was worried i was behind maybe i was maybe i wasn't who knows you know and it pushed me off for a couple years or at least months and then when I got into reading, I was a voracious reader. Like, you could not give me enough books. <laughs> Until my dad made me write a book report, and then I stopped reading the Hardy Boys altogether, which was sad because they're great. <laughs> Isn't that it's so frustrating when school gets in the way of education? Right? And as a parent, I still struggle with that because, of course, I have to respond to the government and we have our, our regulations we have to follow. But, you know, I still struggle as a parent because I was brought up in this public school system and come from a long line of educators. And so I have to really break that and say, OK, if I'm ruining my kids love of reading by making them write a report about it, I'm totally failing. You know, it's tough. Yeah. It's a tough balance for sure. And at this point, you know, obviously, you know, I, I, I'm 25 and my wife and I don't have kids yet. So, you know, obviously I haven't started the journey of teaching my kids yet. Um, but I like thinking about it so that I'm more prepared when it comes. And as we're talking here, I'm like, you know, maybe you just got to enlist your kids and be like, Hey, so like, Here's these requirements that we don't really have control over. Let's just like cross them off real quick. You guys do whatever after that. <laughs> we kind of literally do that. Like they know what the, that's elite, what the government requires them to learn. And also, I mean, now that they're teenagers, if they want to go into certain post-secondary education for their own interests, then they have to have certain you know, they have to be able to fit, fill certain qualifications and that's why they're doing it. But then they are, our focus is on what they love to do right. and, and getting out in nature. And we really focus family time. And I, I love spending time with my kids. You know, everything we do together is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should put a chime in here for listeners. Um, you know, it's a different podcast already as far as mentality, but, you know, I'm not saying to not educate. I'm not saying to try and screw the system. And <laughs> like, I'm trying to say, you know, the system maybe doesn't have it right. 
And so it's okay if we don't exactly follow what it says because it's not actually helping. Like compare people, you know, take an average 25-year-old and take me, look at us and say, you know, on average, which is the more equipped for life one? You know, everyone will make their own judgment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still still not making a lot of money because I haven't figured my business out yet, but I'm going to. And then I'm going to be making a lot more money than people with their college degrees have. And without the student loans. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) What would you say um, equipped you to be able to be self-sufficient and on your own as you are at a young age? The ability to think for myself and to actually think. Mm. I'm not sure how much you guys are into you know, personal development and that kind of stuff, obviously enough to live off the grid and all that. Um, Have you ever come across Bob Proctor at all? Yes. Okay. So one of the things that he says that I love, and, you know, I think he's quoting somebody else. He says, very few people think. (laughs) We confuse mental activity for thinking. And I do say I've learned to think even when I sometimes mistake mental activity for thinking i at least know there's a difference between the two which most people don't which allows me to say okay am i actually thinking or am i just having mental activity which then allows me to massively expand my horizons wow Um, that's well put i love that makes a lot of sense thinking for yourself is such an important skill that is often overlooked right and you know arguably you know when i usually talk to people about my journey through homeschooling they're coming from a public school aspect and i'm like okay how can i like say this in a way that'll make sense and usually i'll be like yeah in every way except for socially it prepared me magnificently for the world and even having just said that socially i was prepared for adult conversations instead of peer-to-peer drama which is a big difference right. for sure and much more beneficial for yourself and others for sure. Yeah. Because like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, sure. I had to build up emotional walls to protect myself from the weird looks and the judgment and the, this, that, and the other people were giving me because, Oh, you're like, you don't go to school. Like what do you do all day? I play video games. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I literally my older son would love you for saying that all day That's growing great. up and then i finally was like oh this isn't where life's at okay i can like cut down now and like go live life <laughs> i still play video games just not nearly to the level i did as a kid and i was like okay life like what is there to live how can i like get out there and explore the world and i'm not like doing that all the time either but I recognize there's more and I'm striving towards it instead of just accepting that video games is the most fun I'll ever be able to have. That's a really good point in, in allowing, you know, multiple interests and to grow and change. Like my, we're all about nature and getting in nature and like spending lots of time outside. But my kids love video games too. And by allowing them that interest, I actually learned how beautifully creative and stunning video games are from an artist artistic perspective and i have a whole new appreciation for the whole the whole 
thing, you know, and that's something that you, you open yourself up to learning different things and being interested in different things. Life is pretty amazing. Yeah. It, and, you know, talking about vegans just a little bit more, you know, there's a lot that are just fluff. Mm. But something I didn't realize until I grew up and was, you know, able to start thinking is in many ways, at least the video games I chose, they helped me to think. Yeah. You know, I, I did a lot of, you know, adventure type games, a lot of role playing games, you know, like um, fantasy role play where it's, you know, you take on this persona of a character that needs to go on all these quests. And you have to figure out, OK, what am I going to do? Because a lot of them give you multiple choices like, OK, are you going to side with this person or this person? And with that, what are you going to do? Yeah, it caused me to start being aware of okay, there's more than one option, despite being a very limited option in game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot more value to it than it actually reminds me of how um, I'm I'm a big book person and how when the printing press was invented and books started coming out, people said the same thing about books that they do about video games. Oh, if people just spend all their days reading. They're going to be lazy and unproductive. And you think about that, how funny that is now. And it really changed my perspective. Yeah. And a lot of times when I talk about the value the video games had, I always have this memory from my mom come up. There was one time when I got grounded, which happened a decent amount because I was on the computer all the time. <laughs> and... She, you know, she grounds me and I'm like, hey, like, you know, this isn't fair. Like, I want to play games or whatever. And she's like, tell me one thing you're learning from this game. I think I think maybe it was a particular game she was taking away. It was one of these, you know, fantasy role <laughs> adventure games. And she's like, name one thing you're learning from this. And I'm like, you know, just like in my brain, rolling my eyes back and forth, like, oh. <laughs> I couldn't come up with anything. I like asked my older sister who like also played it but was not nearly as into it. I'm like, hey, what's something you can learn from she having heard the conversation was like, fine, something, what do you know? And I'm just like, uh, I think I said something like, yeah, it teaches you how to fight things. She's like, uh -huh, yeah, like, it takes the game away for like years. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> Like, do I mention this? Then I learned how to covertly access, covertly search my parents' room. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever found it, and then she forgot where it was, and we found it years later. It was not there. <laughs> so, so, so be aware as you're limiting things. Like, your kids will try and find them unless they're not as rebellious as me. <laughs> I know. Oh, I think they have a rebellious streak. I try not to limit them though, because. They, the crazy thing is I see how much they're learning like this one video game that they would spend hours playing They're, you know it's based on 1930s animation so they're reading about that they're drawing animation themselves because it's a hand-drawn video game mm. and they're looking up World War II because there's references to it you know I, I see my son looking up a word in the dictionary because it was said in the video game and he wanted it and I'm like okay you know that is a win right that is a win you know, and I think that's kind of become our philosophy to life is that all all life is learning. We we categorize learning into science, social studies, English, mathematics, and it's not. It's all mixed up, and it's so much more than that. Yeah, 
And again, I'm not trying to knock school at all because I know it has its place. And even if kids, even kids in school can uh, free up their families in a way that they structure their home life, because I understand that public school is a necessity and it's not, you know, an evil thing that people are doing. I'm not, I don't want people to get that idea at all. Yeah, I I just know many, many kids would do so much better in individualized home-based education rather than getting stuck in a classroom with even 10 other students. Mm-hmm. You know, let alone, you know, I didn't go to public school. I don't know how many it actually is, if it's 30 or 40 or 10 or 20. I think it's 30 many. to 40 now. Like, that's a lot of students with, you know, it's just not, there's not enough one-on-one interaction to in, encourage individual interests. Yeah. And whenever those interests start coming out, it's like, hey, stop that. We're focused here now, which, again, you know, that's kind of like how my dad did with me. He says, hey, you know, you're interested in whatever you're interested in, but let's focus on books now. And I I became standoffish for months or years. And then I finally gained my own interest for it. And boom, firecracker, just or or cannon or, you know, whatever. (laughs) I just blew off towards it it was like let's go yeah and, and i th- i've learned that you're only gonna really learn something if you want to learn it oh if yeah. you're force fed something because you have to regurgitate it for a test you just don't retain the knowledge and it it's irrelevant to you i've got a perfect example of that okay math time how much is 30 divided by two 15 no it's 17 Okay. Because when you take a 30-pound block of cream cheese and you divide it into two-pound blocks, you end up with 17. Okay. That's what (laughs) happened to me one day when I was at a restaurant measuring it out, (laughs) not being super precise. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, ha, ha. I got out of 30 pounds, 17 blocks of cheese. And so I asked one (laughs) of the gals up at grill, because, you know, I'm prepping in the back. I asked one of the gals up at grill, and she was, I don't know, 23 or something. Um, you know, maybe even only 20, I'm not sure. But I'm like, hey, how much is 30 divided by two? And she's like, oh man, like it's been a while since I've had to do anything with math. Like that's, you know, I I did, I graduated high school, you know, like last year, two years ago. And I'm just like, I, did, I, could, I don't know what I actually did, but in my mind, I could only give her a blank stare. <laughs> I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. You know so little math. You don't know 30 divided by two. And you supposedly graduated your classes. Wow. And I don't think it was her fault. No. I think it was presented in such a way that she could not stand to be there. And to not even like stop to think about it. Yeah. Like to not even be able to think for a minute about what the answer would be to just say oh no i can't do that because i'm not being wow she just gave up before even trying i'm just like what a disservice the public school system did to you wow yeah i was trying to make a joke and she couldn't (laughs) figure it out normally so i could make the punchline (laughs) wow You know, it took you half a second because we've got a slight video delay, but you figured yeah. it out like that. 
And then I'm yeah. like, yeah, oh, it took me a second to ask, know if you were asking me or if, if you were, if it was a joke. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. That, so, you know, it's experiences like that where I'm like, you know, I am so glad I was homeschooled because my love of learning did not get entirely shut off. Uh, yeah. That's like the number one thing is I want my kids to love learning. It's the number one thing has always been. And that's one of the reasons we traveled. Cause I think you learn about the world so much more when you see it and touch it, you know, like you could sit in a class and ident- look in a book and identify trees, or you can go out in the forest and see them. And yeah, there's a and big different difference. examples instead of thinking that every single conifer looks like the one in the book. Exactly. <laughs> You know, knowing where your food comes from, you know, there's just so much to to getting out in the world that I think needs to be more of a focus. Here's a video game suggestion for anyone looking, you know, for you and for anyone listening. Um, Oxygen not included. It's a colony management strategy game. And the basic premise is your workers somehow get teleported to the middle of an asteroid that you're supposed to be mining the surface of. And you have to develop this colony with every single system to sustain life for them. Which means that you need food, you need oxygen, you need waste and cleanliness and like all these things that we as regular humans need that we don't put a single thought towards in our daily life because we just take it for granted unless you work in that industry. And yeah. as I played it, you know, to begin with, I'm just like, oh, yeah, like a good, call, you know, a good management game so I can like, you know, think these things, blah, 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 come up with more strategies. And I've referenced it so many times that, you know, since I've started playing it. And I'm just like, wow. Because one of the things in it, you have this to get food to begin with, you have what's called a micro musher. And basically you just take dirt and, you know, in the game and it just mushes down. 75 kilos so 150 pounds of dirt into a 200 kilogram or, or kilo kilocalorie bar because mm. that's the microbes that's in that much according to this and so i've just been doing that and the last time i was in it i ran out of dirt and i'm like oh shoot i didn't build any farms <laughs> all my people are gonna die <laughs> and, it, and it makes me think i'm like wait a second like where is my food coming from? Yeah. My food. Benjamin's <laughs> food. The stuff I eat on a daily basis. Like, where am I getting that? Am I just depending on the store? Or am I like actually thinking, where is the supply chain? Where does this start? That's an important thing that people really do need to consider. Because it you 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 need to eat. I mean, you eat. I have three sons and they're teenagers. <laughs> There's a lot of food that we eat. Right. And um, when you're in the forest or being able to grow your own food, you see the work involved and you see like seeing, just seeing a cabbage go from a tiny seed, the size of the end of your pencil to a huge juicy cabbage is kind of a miracle. Yeah. Even though we just buy that cabbage at the store and we don't think about that. Yeah. The, the other thing, I just watched a YouTube video a week or two ago about it was titled like this is your brain on stale air or something like that and basically this guy has locked himself with very many safety measures so those listening this guy has tons and tons of safety measures do not do this locked himself in a 10 by 10 (laughs) by 10 cube of plastic 
And so, you know, he can see outside and everything, but he also has like various plants inside. And it's an experiment to see how air works with the human body and all the things he has in there. And at this point, the carbon dioxide has gotten up to such a level. I think during the time of the video, it was like 5,000 parts per million, which doesn't sound like a lot. It's like, oh, 5,000 parts per million, like a million's a lot. But it's like a half of a percent. Um, and his brain is not working correctly anymore. And, you know, oh. he, at this point, I think he's, you know, out of it and like, you know, breathing normal air. But he talks about, okay, from, hmm. um, what was it? He said that in the pet, like during the 1900s, the pop, the, average co2 in the air across the planet was 300 parts per million that seems very manageable reasonable and he says in the past such and such years you know around the turn of the century it turned into 400 parts per million and that in many places you know your room or a classroom or a hospital or just other places that are not well ventilated you know a shopping mall they can get up to 500 up to, you know, even a thousand parts per million. And at that point, your cognitive function going to from 400 parts per million to 500 parts per million goes down like 20 to eight or, or like 10 to 18%. Your cognitive function decreases. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And you take that up to a thousand or, you know, a couple thousand in a very unventilated space where people are just, you know, breathing and not realizing. Yeah plant and, a tree right <laughs> and you know i take this back to that game i'm just like whoa like this game was like it, and you know that was a long spiel about oxygen and <laughs> carbon dioxide but like you know different things you can learn about what applies to you you know after i watched that video i'm like okay we opening up all the windows in the house yeah <laughs> we're getting some fresh well, air in here that's exactly right when you realize it it literally affects how you function it's pretty crucial. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not going to panic about it, but I'm going to be aware now and be like, okay, I'm going to make sure that we air out our house. I'm going to make sure we air out our cars. I'm going to make sure we air out, you know, wherever it is. You know, if I'm in a certain area, I can now become aware, okay, if I start to feel like a headache or feel nauseous or whatever, and it seems out of the blue, maybe I don't, maybe there's too much carbon dioxide in the air. Time to go for a walk in go the forest. For Time get to get some, some fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, watching space movies like Apollo 13 has also brought up questions like that, just not to this level. And I'm just like, wow, it's crazy. Yeah. We take our lives for granted. That's for sure. Yeah. And also, like, <laughs> here's the big mind blow moment. We, according to science, we live on the only blue sphere in the entire cosmos that we have observed right now where you can walk outside and breathe wow without a spacesuit you think we'd take better care of it right <laughs> you know oh wow i didn't think it was going to go here <laughs> i thought we we're going to talk about getting out into the wild <laughs> well it does that brings us back to that because when you get out in the wild and you spend a lot of time in the wilderness, in the forest, out in nature, you actually connect with the world that we live in and you do take care of it better because 
it's not something separate that's there to serve you. It's something that lives and breathes with you. And you, you know, the, the trees have so much to teach us. Mm-hmm. We just have to stop and listen. Yeah. I got thinking about it. I think as, you know, I was inviting you to be a guest. I'm like, man, what is getting into nature done for me? You know, I remember my scouting years and all the campouts. It's super great just to connect. And I always lamented that my parents never really took us camping. We they kind of stopped when we got rained out and it went through the tent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's easy to get struggle as parents because getting out in nature with kids requires a lot of juggling. Yeah. And with life and everything that's going on, it can feel too hard. Or if you if you were never out in nature, you might be, you know, too nervous or not, you know, you don't know how to do it. Um, so it's tough, but it's worth the toughness and it's worth prioritizing because it's it's as essential for your kids as drinking water, I think. I am not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious if you have any recommendations for somebody like me that knows getting nature is super great, but is somewhat irrationally afraid of like ticks and spiders and other uncomfortable little critters. I understand because I was the same way. I used to be terrified of spiders. I still don't specifically like centipedes, but actually spiders have become my friend because I've learned that if there's spiders, there aren't any mice. If you see spiders around, there's no rodents because rodents eat spiders. So I'm always, and I can't stand rodents. (laughs) So I love spiders. Um, But as for advice for people who are nervous and uncertain, you know, um, be aware of the dangers, of course, but also don't be afraid to get out. You know, start with your local nature preserve. There, a lot of cities have incredible urban forests and parks. Those are a great place to start. Your own backyard, if you're lucky enough to have one. I will, I think everybody should plant two apple trees. If, and you don't need a lot of space to do so. Two apple trees would feed a family of, well, family of five for a whole year if you preserve them you know, and then some like it's okay. uh, yeah. so start with your own backyard because it's safe and you can control what you put in there. Now, apple trees bring bees, but bree- bees aren't scary. Bees are beautiful. I actually oh, yeah. sit right in surrounded by swarms of bees in the flowers and I absolutely love it. That's if you're, so if you act calm, they don't bother you because they just want to get their pollen and go. Um, and bees but it's, are not it's, wasps. Bees are not wasps. Wasps are, terrible things (laughs) but they have their purpose too but yeah um it's getting past the fear and um trying to just to connect on a different level and starting start where you are because you're not gonna go from you know being afraid to of ticks to going on you know a three-day remote hike where you're sleeping with no tent (laughs) you know that's a big jump you don't have to get there you know and everybody's level is different. Like I believe in looking for nature everywhere. And, you know, even in the city, I've lived in the city. I was, a, you know, my family's from the city. Um, it's uh, acknowledging the nature that exists everywhere and being thankful for it. You know, whether it's a flower, the flower that grows through the crack in the cement or, you know, your trees in your backyard or your local park. 
the nature is here for a reason and it if you see it you will have more of it come to you yeah you know and for people who want to get more active in certain of activities follow your interests like if you like the idea of boating or paddling try that if you like biking biking actually is a really great way to get out of nature and get and avoid um bugs because usually you're going too fast and they don't bother you and Except it keeps you kind of off bugs. wait no i was walking never mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's not true they will hit you in the face if there's swarms of them but it's separates you more but, but i guess they're gone in an instant <laughs> I guess I'm just there's so many you know even like for kids that are into video games like people do um live action role playing people like we've people do um alter I come on um the games that you uh, augmented uh, reality yes thank you I, my tech words are slow today and um you know geocaching is kind of exciting for some families because it, it it's you can use technology you can use what you love to get yourself out in nature more. I got a GPS when I was 10. So we had a good probably year long stint where we were just geocaching all the time. Yeah. Super yeah. Fun. Like that's an awesome activity for families. I love it. For those wondering what, how you spell that it's G E O C H A C H I N G. Right. I think I got that right. Yes. They're, yeah, because geocaching, if you're just saying geocache, it's just an E at the end instead of ING. I love the spelling lesson. <laughs> yeah. Just because, you know, that's one of the ones where you might be like geocaching and you spell it wrong and then you can't find yeah. it. Yeah. I want to look that up for sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's super fun. And, and unless you're in like super urban, you're probably going to end up finding some nature with those because people prefer to hide it in nature areas rather than urban areas. Yeah, exactly. Less regulations. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another good one for people who are uncertain and like more structure because you have a specific destination and a challenge rather than, you know, um, arbitrarily walking into a forest. So it's, it's, you start at your comfort level and you work up from there. Okay. Cause I keep thinking, I'm like, you know, I'd rather get outside utah and experience more of the country and you know move around and this that, and the other but then whenever i think about moving to like you know texas or arkansas or missouri or anywhere up along the mississippi river i'm like but there's going to be lots more bugs there and like poisonous <laughs> snakes instead of not poisonous snakes and it's <laughs> when i was a 10 year old i just had this stint where i was just like let me look up all the poisonous and venomous things in the entire world that's great super fascinating and now i'm like now i know where everything lives and a lot of it's where i want to move <laughs> the problem of too too being too well educated on a topic you right. could just paralyze yourself with fear but generally speaking for like all the most dangerous and scary creatures you can learn Got to go to what Australia. to do to avoid it and how to prevent yourself from, you know, like I firmly believe in giving nature its space and mm -hmm. nature will give you its space. And generally that's the way it is. I mean, um, I'm not going to get into this topic as a, as a political topic or a debate, but like we walk around our forest without any weapons in order to protect ourselves. And there are animals that people would be scared of here, but we just feel like, we know 
prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? <laughs> like if you know how to leave leave wildlife alone and you know what to be aware of, you're generally going to be okay. Yeah. Now I will caveat that to my children are all older now when they were little, they were not out of my sight in the forest. So when you have little kids, that's you, there's more to be aware of because little kids aren't able to understand safety themselves, but that doesn't, shouldn't stop you. It just should make you more aware. Right. And I remember, you know, homeschooling, my mom would take us on tons of field trips, you know, all over the place you know, we'd get with a group and go on a hike or we'd go see this, you know, state park or national park or this monument or the other. And, you know, except for a couple of times, we always ended up in some form of nature along the way. And it was great. I got to understand the nature of my backyard, you know, the nature of Utah. And I will say the one thing if you want to homeschool is you're going to become very familiar with your favorite research instrument at this point, probably Google, because your kids are going to ask a lot of questions. Yes. It'll teach you. It's great. Yeah, it totally is. You learn a lot. I I was that kid. (laughs) Everything's a question. What's this? What's this? Why that? Why does it do that? Yeah, absolutely. And national parks are incredible, especially because they're they're set up for visitors mm-hmm. and they're, you know, of beginner visitors and they have all the information you need and they have lots of sa- safety and lots of educational. And it's usually the national parks are some of the most beautiful places in the world. So that yeah. helps. Well, well, and the great thing, too, is, you know, and I haven't tried this for years because I know how to go tourism and explore my own at this point but when we were younger you know we'd go and ask the park rangers be like yo tell us about the place and absolutely I, i'm sure that they still do that you know maybe there's yeah and there's a i was growing up but. there's a in the u.s there's a program i think it's for grade four students get in for free at the national parks Not and much. it might be their families as well but i haven't looked at it in a while my kids are older than that but that's awesome because it's everybody wants likes free activities and there's so much value in national parks i think everybody should travel to them for sure yeah and you know obviously my listeners range in all the places they are so you know if you're outside the u.s you know find wherever the nature is around you many countries have you know preserves and other like things or you just have a lot less city stuff around you and you can get out into nature. <laughs> yeah. Most countries have national parks or nature preserves. Uh, most cities have urban parks of some kind. Now some don't, but there's nature everywhere and there are nat- nature preserves and um, wilderness uh, preserves that are educational as well and they're a little more guided so that you don't have to feel uncertain and that's everywhere in the world i mean you can go from being remote totally on your own to having a tour guide depending on what your comfort level is right well i mean i went to machu picchu once um was even improved at the time and the guide that we got you know i wasn't part of the process of getting them but we ended up with a really really good guide and they told us all sorts of things that many visitors have no idea about, even if they have a guide, because he was a very experienced guide. Mm, He's like, yeah, yeah, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you find yourself a good guide, 
And again, I didn't find him, so I'm not sure how the best ways are to find good guides. But when you can find a good guide, like you're going to learn a lot. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I love slow travel and why I encourage people to slow travel because you get to know locals and you get to the locals always have the best kept places and they know all the information that you aren't going to necessarily find in the tour guides. I don't know. I find in most places I've traveled to, the locals have a secret beach or a secret cove or a waterfall that nobody else gets to know about because they don't want it overrun with tourists. But when you travel slow, um, you get to enjoy the nature and you get to get to know the locals and the place a lot better. Yeah. And you're also a lot less concerned about getting in, getting out and, you know, being so quick that you mess something up. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I found out that there's pink water in Utah and I lived here my whole life practically. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Where's that? <laughs> but one of my friends was like, hey, like there's this pink beach. You guys want to go visit? And I'm like, I'm busy that day, but I would totally hit you up another time. <laughs> that would be really cool to see. Why is it pink? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I just know that it's pink. I'm just like, <laughs> that is really unique and strange and weird and awesome. And huh. I want to know more about it, but I don't. <laughs> That's the thing. When you start exploring nature, you find out so many unique and new things, even places, like you said, you've lived there most of your life and, and it's new to you. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, if I can completely miss the fact that there's a city down the hill for 18 years until my comeback from my time in Peru and then it's, you know, gotten super developed and i'm just like where'd this city come from <laughs> like if you can miss an entire city you could miss some hidden gems here and there so you know, <laughs> yeah i think so too <laughs> <laughs> and i love what you're saying earlier about the connection with nature um last season i had a guest on jennifer i think it was pb she talks about natural cycles and with that getting out into nature we we in our electronic world get so disconnected from the natural rhythm of things you know, yeah bless edison for inventing the light bulb but at the same time how would things be different if he hadn't or if it had taken a lot longer like what level of connection would we be at with nature now yeah and, you the know, sun was so for important times. for telling time and for for making our day and night until the light bulb came around that's for sure yeah, and now it's like, oh, it's three in the morning. I didn't even know. I am illuminated <laughs> in my bright room because it's been that way since the sun went down, which I ignored because my blind exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's something remarkable in in taking in the sunrise or the sunset or just being aware uh, of the changing of the seasons. And when you, the more you do it, the more I find life's rhythm changes, and you see things from a different perspective that isn't so frantic and yeah I wouldn't say you stop worrying but you let go and embrace abundance is what I like to call it a lot oh, more yeah yeah. Well, yeah you look at nature and you only see abundance that's right there's no failure there's only steps there's only different stages yeah you know you could say oh man that tree got struck by lightning it's up failure so nah man that tree is now you know 
this and this and this and this and this. You know, it's now a home for these type of animals and all this can happen. And, you know. And it feeds the other trees. And actually, the roots are connected. So they can, they actually sometimes keep each other alive and send food to the ones that aren't getting it. And there's a whole universe in forests that it is it's it's an abundance every there's enough for everything and there's more than enough to to go around yeah and because of all the nature we have an abundance of oxygen and so when you take a breath there's another ready to be taken there is an abundance and then the trees breathe in that or that carbon dioxide you just expelled and you breathe in the oxygen and it's a cycle. It's like a heartbeat. Huh, so yeah. the world's alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I don't think we spend enough time really feeling that heartbeat and being grateful for it and appreciating it. Well, and even just the sunrise. Yeah. Super regular. It's a heartbeat. Yeah. The world revolving. And the changing of the seasons, you know, the darkness of winter that that brings, you know, we we always know the darkest day of the year. And then we celebrate the coming earlier dawn, which leads to spring. And it Mm -hmm. it's such an incredible cycle. Uh, It's really inspiring. Wait a second. Fall equinox was like three days ago. It was. I missed that. Happy fall equinox. <laughs> Happy fall equinox. Now all the listeners can know when this came out because it's going to come around. It's going to air oh, about the true. time that's of the solstice true. in winter. <laughs> and then we'll really celebrate because we're moving back closer to the, to the sun. In Canada, the winters get cold. So we, we, I guess it's interesting because you see the four seasons so strikingly. Yeah. Um, but it's also you definitely celebrate the oncoming spring yeah and at the same time i think it's important we celebrate the winter because otherwise the heartbeat wouldn't happen yeah at least not the way it does that's right obviously it's a time for levels of grief and mourning and sadness because that which was is no longer but there's also the hope of the spring coming, which leads to the summer. Yeah. And there's a, it, it's a kind of like a, the pause between the breath, like a, a period of rest. Yeah. Because everything is blank. I mean, we can, we get snowed in here so that it, it, it's like a big snow comes, we get, you know, four or five feet of snow and you, you can't go anywhere and everything is super still and quiet. And it's, there's a piece to it yeah the, because you can't you you you're where you are and that's where you stay and this stillness yeah stillness after fresh foot snowfall and you go outside and the sun's glaring off the snow and there's nothing moving and there's almost a musical tone in the air yeah it's beautiful it's a feeling you can't recreate anywhere else. And the air is alive with that music. Amidst the 
death and snow and cold of winter. <laughs> There's yeah. still life. It's incredible. Yeah, if we can see abundance, you know, when it's it's minus 40 and you have to dress a certain way or or you'll die, there's still abundance there. And it's an important part of the cycle of life. Yeah. At minus 40 when Celsius and Fahrenheit finally agree. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's the only time I don't have to convert. <laughs> <laughs> there's joy in every aspect of life i think that's one of the reasons i love humor you know, small quip. <laughs> yes life's meant to be lived and what better way to experience life than to go and be amidst it in nature have you ever yeah. read the uh, the inheritance cycle the book with aragon and the dragon by christopher paulini yes i i love i think it's the first book where you know he ends up in with the elves and they're like all right butter or, or buster you need to learn how to be one with nature so uh go sit in that forest and let us know once you're one with nature you know <laughs> there's more to it but that's a very brief synopsis and he like starts becoming aware in his mind of all the life around him and he like kind of becomes connected and you know this is part of their magic system but he becomes connected with a spider and an ant and then the spider kills the ant and like he has this moment of like whoa like shock and sadness he's like man that just like killed the ant and then he's like oh boy like hmm. you know the cycle continues and yeah we talked about you can learn a lot from video games learn a lot more from books though i think that there's yeah tiers of quality when it comes to learning materials definitely nothing definitely. is created equal when it comes to that but you can generally categorize some stuff yeah one of my favorite books is a um i think it's a young adult or a youth novel series called the wild robot and i just mm. love how the robot goes out in nature ends up becoming a surrogate mother for this goose because it's been it's been dropped off in the middle of nowhere and then it it's learns to speak the languages of the animals because it's a robot and it's learned to teach itself and you know there's one scene where the house that the robot built for the goose is keeping all the other animals warm in the winter because it's particularly cold but when they go out to eat and you know some of the animals don't come back so it's like <laughs> it is like the cycle continues and they they handle it in a in a way that's not scary or grotesque it's just you know some animals eat other animals and the animals actually used humor to kind of dispel the tension so they weren't going to eat each other while they were keeping warm but it it's it was... kind of like the watering hole idea yeah exactly yeah it's really cool the way they show nature from the robot's perspective. And I think it's a great book for, well, kids and adults, because I think adults can read kids' books anytime they want. Yeah, it sounds like one I'll have to check out. Yeah, it's a two-part series, and um, I've been wanting to reread it. Uh, it was a great read aloud. We do lots of reading. I'm, I'm, a, I'm book obsessed. Um, so, yeah, we've read, we read a lot of 
you know, my sons actually make fun of me. They're like, how can you love trees so much and also love books so much? <laughs> uh, it's a paradox. What are you going to do? <laughs> if I read the book on how to plant more trees that I can read more books and keep them replenished. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> make books on recycled paper and we're good to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I know there's a lot more that could be said, but I kind of feel like we're coming up to a wrap-up point. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I've I've enjoyed chatting with you, but we've covered a myriad of topics, absolutely. Right. Well, for those interested in finding out more about what you do, where can they find you at here, Linda? I would check out AbundantForestLife.com, where you'll find out more, not just about me, but about you know, how you can have an abundant life with your family and, and get out in nature more and appreciate what the world has to offer. Awesome. I'll make sure to get those links in the show notes so it can be easy to find. And anything you. you'd add before we wrap this episode up? Appreciate nature and look for it. Find the tree that lives closest to you. That's wow, that's like it. That. I like that. Like that's your neighbor tree. My house and, I'm in. Yeah. What's your closest tree? The one that comes to mind is the one that nobody takes care of. And so it is well overladen with apples. Oh, yum. That's a bonus. Right. <laughs> and it's just, you know, I'm in an apartment complex. It's right by where we park a couple of our cars. And I'm like, man, somebody really needed to prune that because, or, or prune and thin, because it's just a mess. <laughs> but yeah. It's happily going in its mess. <laughs> it's a beautiful mess. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on today, Linda. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Awesome. For listeners, remember, you can rewrite your stars. A good part of that is becoming familiar with them. You know, we didn't mention about this, but I love astronomy. And you know, get out on a dark night, you get a green laser pointer because you can see it a lot clearer than a red one. And so you can actually oh, point yeah. at stars and in a group you can see which one you're pointing at. Oh, that's an incredible tip. I love stargazing and I can't believe we haven't touched on it, but that is a great tip to use a laser pointer. Yeah. Just remember, it's very illegal and very dangerous if you shine at airplanes. So don't do that. Point it. Definitely stars. not. <laughs> and unless you can tell what's what, only circle the stars because otherwise they'll find you and it'll be bad. I don't know this from experience, but just be safe. Keep the airplane safe. <laughs> be safe is always good advice. <laughs> but also be adventurous and, yes, you know, get out into nature and again, I'm not 100% comfortable with it, but I love getting out there. Yeah. And, and I love There's room for about, you, even if you're you know, uncomfortable. Explore anyway. Yeah, I love what you said about your comfort zone and like your comfort level. You know, get out there within your comfort level and expand it. You know, don't go the exactly. whole nine yards, but, you know, take the first yard. Exactly. And, you know, get out there, rewrite your stars, become familiar with nature. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. 
I hope that you've been able to gain that missing piece or get that gold nugget you've been needing to continue rewriting your life how you want it to work. Until next time, I'm Benjamin Fincher, helping you to rewrite your stars.